What do you think impervious means? What? Can't be penetrated. What else? Somebody said impervious. It's like a raincoat. Huh? If you're wearing a raincoat, you don't really think you're going to get wet, right? That's the idea. That's impervious. Can't be penetrated. Not allowing passage. Okay? Incapable of being injured or impaired. I thought when I played sports, I was impervious because I had a certain ego and attitude. Impervious to wear and tear. And then incapable of being influenced, persuaded, or affected. So if you're impervious in school, when others are wanting to do drugs or do all kinds of other illicit stuff that's wrong, guess what happens? Teens, you don't do it because you're impervious. Why? You're not allowing yourself to be persuaded into anything else that you know is is wrong. So here's another word. Think about not allowing penetration, impenetrable. Think about Kevlar, right? That's what life, uh, that's what, uh, what are they called? Yeah, bulletproof vest, right, Kevlar? Well, we have this thing spiritually called the armor of God, don't we? And when you put it on, what's it supposed to do for you? It's supposed to protect. It's supposed to shield. It's supposed to keep you to where there's no weapon formed against you can prosper. So a lot of times what happens, Christians, when we start getting in trouble, we ought to think, are we wearing our armor or are we naked in the world? Because that's usually what it is. A simple thing that God says is put on the whole armor of God. So we need to wear that. It's, it's, it makes us impenetrable. Then incapable of being injured or impaired. Well, here's the thing. is, is Though we, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, we also have the, an eternal spirit that God has put within us. How about the idea that, you know, injury, look at how quick some of us can be injured by the world or injured by one another or injured in the, in the church. What does that mean? That means insulted. That means dissed. That means there's something that somebody does to offend us. How easily offended are we? See? Well, how about with the Holy Spirit that I can be impervious to those things? That truly, if I'll, if I'll stand behind my shield, that those fiery darts from the enemy, the things that are meant to, to, to cause me harm, they'll fall to the ground worthless. And then, incapable of being influenced, persuaded or affected, See, it says, for example, impervious to another's suffering. Now, at first thought, you think, well, that's not a good thing. I should be compassionate, merciful, mindful of somebody else's suffering. But I'm telling you, usually in the world, what happens is what causes people in the world to suffer is what they want you, they want to inflict on you. You get it? Bring you down into their camp. So in other words, evil begets evil, dissension begets dissension. Division begets division. That's the way of the world is to bring you down. Well, you need to be impervious to that so that you can stand tall. You won't be deceived by the different plots and schemes of the, of the world or of the devil who's the ruler of the world. huh? So here's an interesting passage. I'm sorry, I put on here, by the way, I, I did the question in your bulletin. Question number one, it says, do you have a resolute faith? So if you turn to that page where there's Not much room for notes, but there's a couple places where you interact. Do you have a resolute faith? What area is one, one, uh, what area is one you're the strongest or most secure? So resolute faith, it means firm in purpose or belief or steadfast. Determined. So 
Go ahead and interact. Think about that. What area do you have a resolute faith? What area is one of your strongest or the most secure areas of faith? Because if you've got a resolute faith, then that's a good thing. We want to focus on that. That's an area where you want to, want, want to build up. Later on, we ask another question. As I said earlier, we're living in a culture of fear, both in the world and in the church. Now, see, the culture living in, a, have, or the, in the world having a culture of fear is one thing. But in the church, for us to have a culture of fear, that's totally a different thing. See? Now, here's the deal. I don't have any axe to grind. You know what I want to do is I want to give you the Word of God. I want you to read what the Word of God says. I want you to hear what the Word of God says, and then I want us to begin to live by that. I believe that's what the Word of God exists for, is so that we'll actually live by according to what it says. How many of you find in your life you don't quite live according to what God says in His Word? We don't have the resolute faith. We cave in. We find ourselves groveling, and we find ourselves away from the Lord. We find ourselves full of fear and worry. Hey, makes you normal, but we're supposed to be abnormal. We're supposed to be supernatural. That's what we're supposed to be. And it's not my job to sit there and and pamper you in that side, which is away from what God would have us to be. So you're supposed to be mighty warrior. See, overcomer, more than a conqueror. Those are all the things that God says. And that's where we need to say, that's who I'm going to be, by golly. That's who I'm going to be. I'm going to begin. I've got to have my faith shored up. I've got to be in this place where, uh, okay, I truly live like I believe this word of God that I say I follow. Anybody say amen? So that doesn't mean that we, we say, you know, there he is yelling at us again. No, stop it. That's just the enemy not wanting you to get the message. Here it is, Ezekiel 38. Go ahead and turn back there. If you go to Isaiah, you'll find it. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Get in that that range. Old Testament prophet. He was one of the weirdest prophets ever to live. Ezekiel was because God made him do all kinds of antics and put on all kinds of show and do weird things. He had him, you know, it was he was very much, uh, maybe he was the first kind of sight and sound prophet. He would have been in their day something that we would have been trying to do through all kinds of video and media and and, and special effects. Ezekiel would have been to that culture because he did unorthodox things that God told him, do this and do that. This is chapter 38. There's this guy. How many of you have heard of Gog and Magog? Gog and Magog. Where do you know Gog and Magog from? Both Ezekiel, but I'll bet you know him from the book of Revelation, if you ever read the book of Revelation. Gog and Magog talks about this this ruler, and of course, because it's in Revelation, that means in times. So because it's in times, people are interested in that because uh, all kinds of in times stuff going on around us. But here's what it says. In chapter 38 of Ezekiel, he actually says some pretty major things, and, and I've highlighted a couple of them for us, okay? Here it is. Because... Even with elections going on, even with with crisis going on, even with gas prices at five bucks in California, people today are talking about, you know, all these elements of fear and talking about, for example, whatever happens in Israel. So Israel's a big topic. In Israel, it's almost like everybody thinks that 
somehow great America is a great defender of Israel. Let me tell you, we may be an ally of Israel, but it's not us who's going to save Israel. It's going to be God who saves Israel. It's going to be the power of God who preserves Israel. It'll be God himself who does whatever he wants to with Israel. So what I find sometimes, folks, is that we end up hearing a lot about Israel and books are written about when America does this or doesn't do that or other nations and all these agreements. And I'm going to tell you God factors all that in. He already knows it. I'm going to show you in Ezekiel 38, God already knew it. Okay, here's the deal is it settles down for America. It settles down for Israel. Here's what I've said for years. And folks, it's going to get tougher. It's not going to get easier. That's what I'm about to read. When it gets tough, doesn't mean that God wants us to be wringing our hands and, and, and quivering in fear. God wants us to be the ones who will rise up. He wants us to be the ones who have resolute faith. He wants us to be the ones standing strong in the midst of the storm. It's going to happen. It's, it's been prophesied. Not only Ezekiel, but Jesus himself. And we're going to see that because I got to talk quick. Here it is. Ezekiel 38, starting in verse 1. This is another message that came to me from the Lord. This isn't like he's got to get it straight now. This is a guy, Ezekiel, has gotten one message after another, after another, after another. He has honed his ability to hear the voice of God. So here we are in chapter 38. He's been listening to messages from the Lord. He's been giving those to the people. Here, another message that came to me from the Lord. Son of man, turn and face Gog of the land of Magog. Tells you that Magog was a land, not another person. Face it, Gog of the land of Magog, the prince who rules over the nations of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. Gog, I am your enemy. I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws to lead you out with your whole army, your horses and charioteers in full armor and a great horde armed with shields and swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya will join you too with all their weapons. Gomer and all its armies will also join you along with the armies of Beth Togomar and from the distant north and many others. Do you get the idea? There's a whole bunch of them coming. Get ready, be prepared. Keep all the armies around you mobilized and take command of them. A long time from now, you will be called into action in the distant future. You getting this? A long time in a distant future, not their day, you will swoop down on the land of Israel, which will be enjoying peace after recovering from war and after its people have returned from many lands to the mountains of Israel. Okay, we can say that that prophetically, part of that has been fulfilled. They've been dispersed abroad for 70 years. They've been brought back into the promised land. Then they've been Jerusalem totally leveled in AD 70. See, there's some of this that we can say is partial fulfillment. This has been going on. It's continuing to go on. So it says then, And you, verse 9, you and all your allies, a vast and awesome army, will roll down on them like a storm and cover the land like a cloud. Wow. This is what the sovereign Lord says. At the time, at that time, evil thoughts will come to your mind and you will devise a wicked scheme. You will say Israel is an unprotected land filled with unwalled villages. 
I will march against her and destroy these people who live in such confidence. I will go to those formerly desolate cities that are now filled with people who have returned from exile in many nations. I will capture vast amounts of plunder, for the people are rich with livestock and other possessions now. They think the whole world revolves around them. Do you know what we do, folks? We take the Bible and we think the whole world revolves around Jerusalem. The whole world revolves around Israel. I'm not slamming Israel. I'm just telling you, God's purpose has always been to be a global God. God's purpose has always been that there were people, that there would be many descendants of Abraham's before the nation Israel ever existed, and that of those nations, they would be as numerous as the sand of the shore and of the stars of the sky. God's purpose has always exceeded Israel. That's why you and I, Gentiles, are grafted in. That's why we're prefigured. We're not a chance happening. He didn't, nothing had to happen. And then he said, okay, plan B. God's always been global. He's always been intentional that every tribe and every tongue and every nation, right? So here's the thing. No matter what's happening, I don't understand fully why in this case, God gives me a message about this, but it's what it is. Guess why? I believe because there's certain events that are going to begin to happen in the world. And when that begins to happen in the world, people's faith will be shaken. And what he wants us to do is for us to be a people, especially of his church, who knows the prophetic voice of God, who knows what he said in his word, who is standing on his word, is not going to be moved by the the condition that's all around us. So in other words, everything can be caving in everywhere and there's chaos. And there we are like pillars as his witnesses because we have a firm foundation. So they think the whole world revolves around them. Don't you understand? That's what the devil does. He tries to get you to think the whole world revolves around you. And the more that we'll we'll think that the whole world revolves around us, guess what we do? We take our eyes off of the rest of the world. And global God says, open your eyes and look here. I'm for the whole world. I'm for you and your family. I'm for them too. So If it's a nation who gets prideful and arrogant and begins to do things of their own, just like Israel's history, and begins to worship their own gods and set up their own idols, or if it's America who who begins to believe and begins to act like we're not a Christian nation any longer, like God is sleeping or silent if he even exists, well, he says, "I'm, I'm about to show you. I'm about to move and I'm about to act. And I said a long time ago, In the distant future, this is going to happen. I'm telling you, folks, we don't know where we're at in that timeline. It could be this next couple days. It could be years. It could be another 100 years from now. We don't know. We just know that we're alive right now. God's given us a purpose and a mission to live right now. He expects certain things of us right now. That's how we ought to be living, not according to the elementary principles of the world. So thereby, when these things happen, we're not going around, oh my, what do you think? What do you think? Oh, what should we do? What should we do? We should be able to stand firm and say, hey, let's read Ezekiel 38. We'll find out. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish will ask, do you really think the armies you have gathered can rob them of silver and gold? Do you think you can drive away their livestock and seize their goods and carry off plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy against Gog. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. Gog's just like any other king who began to think that he was impervious, that he was actually the ruler, that he himself was like a God, thinking that he's beyond all this stuff. 
thinking he'd do whatever he wants to do. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. When my people are living in peace in their land, then you will rouse yourself. You will come from your homeland in the distant north with your vast cavalry and your mighty army. And you will attack my people Israel, covering their land like a cloud. At that time in the distant future, I will bring you against my land as everyone watches. And my holiness will be displayed by what happens to you, Gog. Did you hear it? In the distant time, in the distant future, I, God, will bring you against my land, God's land, as everyone watches, and my holiness will be displayed by what happens to you, Gog. You see the next line? If you're reading the Bible, then all the nations will know that I am the Lord. Folks, when you see people abandoning God and when you see atheism and worldliness and paganism and humanism, when you see all these things thriving in our world and all these other religions growing, let me tell you that it's getting closer, but it's part of the reason it's getting closer is because God's bringing it to a certain conclusion. He himself is going to come in. What are you praying for Israel for? You're praying against God? Wow, there's a sharp word. Why? Because God says, I'm going to bring my armies and they're going to look like a cloud. But Israel's going to be okay in the midst of it. And I'll be glorified and then I'm going to show my strength. What do you want? Puny armies? You want some sort of missiles? You want some sort of, you know, weapons? You want it to be the, the, the weapons of our warfare that are carnal? God says, I'm not putting up your, with your carnality. It's going to be my power that is manifest that will defend not only Israel, but every one of my people. Wow. Folks, what I'm telling you is cherish. Israel is cherished. God says they're a people. They're his chosen people. But I'm telling you, you're chosen too. And I'm telling you, the world is chosen. I'm telling you, this is right out of the scripture. Are you reading it the same way I'm reading it? Are you reading that God says he's going to bring this? Do you know what that means for you and me? Sometimes when we're praying, we're praying our will. We're not praying. We're praying some sort of will that man has fabricated. We're praying against, we're praying in a spirit of fear. Instead of believing, here's what the word of God says. He's going to take care of every one of us. He's going to see us through. Now, you know that in the end time, some of us will be beheaded for faith. Do you know that? Yeah, what are we supposed to do? Choose the, the mark of the beast instead. But see, what happens is, I believe that it's a subtle distraction. It's a little bit of deception that creeps in that begins to get us to, to live in fear of the, the threats of the world. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do, is to present himself bigger than life itself and somehow reduce God down to the point where all of a sudden, even the church is going around wringing their hands going, oh my, oh my, oh my. What happens if, what happens if, Obama's reelected. What happens if Iran gets the bomb? What happens if Iraq gets the bomb? What if, what if, what if, what? My word says God's going to take care of it. God's going to handle it. I'm not, I'm not stirred up. You know what I'm doing is there's got to be people get saved before this, because as I see the day drawing near, we're supposed to be telling people about Jesus instead of sitting around kind of like all the, the, what are we going to do? Gather in bomb shelters. See what I'm saying? He says, hey, here it is. Then all the nations will know that I am the Lord 
There are certain things that have to happen in America. There are certain things that have to happen in the Middle East. There are certain things that need to happen in Israel. There are certain things that need to happen in Russia. There are certain things that need to happen in every nation around the world. God's going to cause that all to work together for what? Good. According to what? According to his purpose. See there? And he's got us as his purpose. We're his witnesses. What are you witnessing? What are you recognizing? What are you touting? What are you spouting? See, we're supposed to be talking about, hey, <laughs> people who know God, their God, you know it out of Daniel, right? People who know their God, they're going to do exploits. What is exploits? Not groveling in the dark, hiding somewhere. It's going to be that we're going to stand up in the midst of all kinds of challenges. We're going to be the go-to people. We're going to be his witnesses. Amen? Let's keep going. This is what the sovereign Lord asks. Are you the one I was talking about long ago when I announced through Israel's prophets that in the future I would bring you against my people? But this is what the sovereign Lord says. When Gog invades the land of Israel, my fury will boil over. I hope you read your Bible that way because that's exactly what it says. When this happens, my fury will boil over. In my jealousy and blazing anger, I promise a mighty shaking in the land of Israel on that day. All living things, the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, the animals of the field, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the people on earth. Can you say all the people on earth? Will quake in terror at my presence. What happened? says he fell down as a dead man at the presence of the Lord. Oh, come on. There ain't going to be no pushing of buttons or pulling of levers. You know what it's going to be? <laughs> Jesus gave a little bit of that when they came to arrest him. Remember that? In the garden? It says, who is it that you seek? It says, I am he. You know what they did? <laughs> fell down. That's what the Bible says. They fell down. Talk about slain in the spirit. They fell back. Why? Because of his presence. Right there, it's like that. That's what he's talking about, that kind of presence. Not coming hoping something. It's not some sort of, you know, feeling that we can generate by ourselves by sight and sound. Mountains will be thrown down. Cliffs will crumble. Walls will fall to the earth. I will summon the sword against you on the hills of Israel, says the sovereign Lord. I hope you're picking up on that word sovereign. Your men will turn their swords against each other. I will punish you and your armies with disease and bloodshed. I will send torrential rain, hailstones, fire, and burning sulfur. I, in this way, I will show my greatness and holiness, and I will make myself known to all the nations of the world. Can you say global God? That's it. He's a global God. He exists for all the nations. He exists to make himself known in all the world. Amen. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Here's what it says in Revelation verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 7. Just going to be quick because I want to get to my last part. When the thousand years are completed... Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations, to deceive the United States. Nope. To deceive Israel. Nope. 
to deceive Madagascar. Nope. To deceive Canada. Nope. Cuba. Nope. New Mexico. Nope. Not individually, but collectively. He will come out to deceive the nations, which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the, bl- on the broad plain of the earth and surround the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Woo! Did you read that? What's it say? They gathered this vast, they outnumbered the sand of the shore. All the enemies coming. And then men took up their arms, their slingshots and their clubs and their pitchforks and their 20 gauge. And they bore up arms because they had the right under the second amendment. See, the problem is we've forgotten God in the process of life. We're going on thinking that it's us who's going to defend ourselves. It's somehow that even our puny prayers are going to do that. I'm going to tell you that God's not desperate for people praying. It's not him that waits for us to pray. He's already got it. Prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes us. Prayer orients our our hearts toward God. God's already got a purpose. He existed before he ever put the prayer on your lips. Yes, prayer is important. Prayer is powerful. But I'm going to tell you, God's already made his decisions. He was already prophesied it. He knows how it's going to work it out. So if you do nothing or if you do absolutely everything you can possibly do, I'm going to tell you God himself is the one who's going to rise up and he's going to overwhelmingly conquer. That's what the word says, doesn't it? And so here it is. The number of them, like the sand of the seashore, they came up on the, the broad plain, surrounded the camp of the saints of the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Folks, when we went up to that meeting up there in Elam, one of the things they talked about is deception. If you think you're being deceived, you're probably not. How many of you think you're being deceived? The idea is, is deception. You don't know that you're being deceived. Folks, what I'm telling you is that today, this messenger is giving you a message from the word of God itself that tells you, stop putting your trust in man and stop putting having your fear based on the worldly fears. God wants you to look to him. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. What is your faith going to be? Your faith is, is that he who began the good work is going to continue it in you. The God who's established your coming and going, you're laying down and you're rising up. He's sufficient to, to preserve you even in the midst of gunfire or, or nuclear arms or any other stuff. He'll deliver you from that. I'm not going to give you all my commentary here. I'm just going to go on down. That's fine. Oh, I like that. It says just a little note here. I've got it highlighted. It, it, that this represents Gog and Magog in Revelation 20. It says it represents the confederacy headed by Satan and about to assail the beloved city. See? So what it is, is it's, it's all that which is just a counterfeit. It's made to, to, to look big. You guys ever seen, there's a, there's a little, uh, there's a cartoon guy on who talks about debt. 
Uh, it's, it's sad. You know, if you've got this debt and you want to get out of this debt, just call this cartoon guy. <laughs> he does this little stupid laugh at the end of the commercial. Ever seen it? It shows you on the screen there's a bunch of little people who uh, it's just audience. It's cartoon characters, not even a real audience. I thought, what a lame commercial. Not even using real. You know what that's like? That's like Satan who begins to put images and put thoughts and put vain imagination into your hearts and into your minds. Pretty soon, you're not actually going up against a real enemy anymore. It's just some perception. It's some sort of a fear thing that's, that's grabbed a hold of you. And now you're living by that instead of by what is visible, God. Because that's what, what God did is he makes himself visible. His word is a visible word. See? So here he goes. It's in your, it's in your bulletin. You've not come to a physical mountain, Hebrews chapter 12, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. (laughs) They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is judge over... Not much. Over very little. He's just a puny judge. It says, who is judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people. And to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness. Instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. See, I don't have to curse some other country or curse some other nation. I don't have to curse Iran or Iraq or uh, whatever that guy's name. What is his name? Abinajinajab. I don't have to curse him. God's going to take care of them. He says, hey, back off. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Oh, Really? So that means I don't have to try to do that. Yeah. Okay. So stop trying to do that. To exact our own justice or judgment. Get our own way to make it work out how we want it to be. Sound right, church? Be careful that you don't refuse to listen to the one who is speaking, meaning God. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. So last verse 28 says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Unshakable God impervious people. Let us be thankful and please God by what? By worshiping him with holy fear and awe 
For our God is a devouring fire. Get it? What about his fire is going to consume every other fire? Huh? His fury will consume any other fury. You get it? Everything else is null and void in light of who he is, sovereign Lord of the nations. Let me ask you question number two. What area of your life could use a good shaking? Now, some of you, I'm looking around the room, I'm thinking, you're all thinking I'm preaching at you because you shared something with me this last week, and I'm just telling you that that's not the case at all. But yet it applies, doesn't it? That's because we all live a life that there's always something that could be shaken. There's always something that's quaking in our lives. There's always something that, you know, is going to try to distract us to distort who God is. Amen? So what area of your life could use a good shaking? You know where mine was? Faith. Yeah, just faith. Faith to believe. Why? Because we don't always see it. Takes pretty great faith to continue the faith walk. Takes even greater faith if you're going to be a preacher and stand before people and proclaim it. Man, you got to believe beyond anything you ever hope, think, or imagine. You got to believe even in the onslaught of people and unbelief and issues and problems and criticisms. And you got to just stand resolute that, hey, I know God has called me. I know that God has appointed me. I know that God's got a work he's doing. I know that God wants it to be. Bigger, forget Israel. How about you getting saved? How about them getting saved? How about a family being transformed? How about the hearts being restored? Huh? God's got a lot to do right here. Yeah, Israel's big, but what about right here? Right about in our lives, in our neck of the woods. He's got a lot to do right here, don't he? Guess who he wants to do that? You're it. You're it. Yeah, he's it, but you're it. Good word, God. Here it is, ready? Matthew 24, I'm down to the last parts. The last part is really good. I'm hoping everybody else will be in here by then. See to it that no one misleads you. It's Matthew 24. I think I put it on the bottom of your bulletin, did I? Maybe even, no, I didn't do it in red because it would have cost 10 cents a bulletin to print it. See, and and that money would go toward a net. See to it that no one misleads you. Can you say that? See to it that no one misleads you. Why do you think Jesus is telling us that? Because there's some who are going to be misled. Anybody who can, it's the preacher's job. I thought, you know what? I may not declare anything new to you. What I'm, I need to do is be sure I give you God's perspective. I need, it's right there in his word. It's not my opinion I'm giving you. I'm giving you the perspective which directs us back to God's in charge. There's a thought. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and, and will mislead many. Do you know that means preachers? There are preachers who will stand up and tell you that, that they're, they're giving you the voice of the word of God and they're going to give you a prophetic direction and they're going to say things to you. Folks, you need to be like the Bereans. Take those words and take them right back to Scripture. And you need to say, is that true? Is that really what it says? I'm not afraid of that because, boy, if, if you find me in error like that, you come to me because I'm going to tell you there's a, there is a holy fear in me. I want to be sure I'm representing God right. I don't think even preachers who did that would necessarily be that they're evil-minded, that they're the false 
preachers or teachers or false prophets, I can believe that we could all be deceived. Tina and Anita, you came to me the other night. How, how glorious is that? You know what that's like? Why? Not, not because they're concerned about me in, in the sense that something I did. You know what they're doing? They love me. They say, we want to keep on top of it. and We want you to know we're for you. Hey, at first I may not react right, but you know what? Remember? Chew on it. Eat the meat. Spit out the fat. There wasn't a whole lot of fat in any of that. You know that? Folks, I welcome you to that. If you have a challenge with something that I'm speaking or preaching, or you feel like I've fallen off the wagon somehow, hey, come to me. Talk to me. That's a, that's a friend. You're a confidant. That makes me better. can make life miserable sometimes, but that's okay. Here's why. Because it's tough to take at the beginning. That's what this word might be today. It might be tough for you because it sounds like it's a mean word. It's not meant to be a mean word. It's meant to say, come on, let's go. We're fighters. We're not going to switch. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not... The F word. See that you are not. Huh? See that you are not frightened. Who wants to frighten you? God doesn't want to frighten you. The fear and awe that we've been learning about, that's a holy reverential fear. It's not a fear of according to the world where we cower, where we take drugs so that we don't have to deal with it. See that you are not frightened for those things must take place. They must take place. That's what he said. It must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. God is a global God. Do you get it? Nation, kingdom. God is a global God. He's bigger than Shadyside, Ohio, Powhatan, Moundsville. Sayo, brilliant. I'm trying to think of all these names. He's bigger than Belair, Rayland. He's bigger than, than, he's bigger than what? Absolutely everything. He's a global God. So he says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against nation. In various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. But what's verse eight say? All these things. Oh, oh, I think it's just false labor. Just the beginning of birth pangs is what it says. Just the beginning. Let me ask you a question. A few weeks ago, I spoke about trust. I asked you a question. Do you trust God? Do you trust that he will do what he said he would do? Do you trust that he will take care of you, of Israel? Is he sovereign? Do you live by faith or in fear? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today about your worries? The worldwide turmoil. The elections, gas prices, the economy, morality, evil. Tag on. If God is sovereign, if God is in control, if God is the boss, if God is faithful, if God is all-powerful, if God is our provider, if God is for us, if God cares, if God hears, if God has a or the plan, if he knows every detail about us, us, if he is intimately acquainted with everything about us, if, who do you say that he is? 
Don't restrict him to be a prophet, a priest, a teacher, or even a king. Only. He's all that. And then some. If he already wrote the ending, began the beginning, and has been presiding over the present, is that who he is? He wrote the ending, began the beginning, and has been presiding over the present. Then stop. Stop wringing your hands, worrying your little heads, racking your brains, storing up treasure, wrangling over words, trying to preserve your life, the country, or the world, fighting, bickering, arguing, vying for significance, battling for influence, and striving perfection. God said it best. Do you know what he said? One of my favorite scriptures. Second one I memorized. How many know the first verse I memorized of the Bible? Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him, the devil, by what? By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimonies, and they didn't love their lives even to the point of death. Wow. Second verse, guess what it was? Do you remember that? I think I told you that, didn't I, Jody? You know what it is? It's Psalm 4610. Do you know what Psalm 4610 says, saints? It says, be still and know that I am God. Oh, it's easy when peace like a river. It's easy when we go to the green pastures. It's pretty easy when we feel shielded and protected and secure. Cease striving and know that I am God. By the way, it's not if God is. He is. Amen? He has. He's declared and he's proven. And he is. We're at the end of our time. Actually, a little over time. Worship team, if you'll come on up. Joel gave me a note. Honest, he did. said, go ahead a little further because they're not ready yet. Blame it on him. Actually, this is a very good word. You know what? In the midst of going through life, I sometimes forget about it myself. We were up at Elam, and you know what he said? One of our keynote speakers, he says, uh, turn off the television, folks. A few years ago, a guy who was coming to our church here named Chris Pagano, he preached kind of about the same thing, looking at watching, watching TV and just the fear factor getting a hold of him and beginning to create this negative attitude in him because of all the things he was watching on TV doesn't matter what channel. If you're watching the news and reading the newspapers, that thing just grabs a hold of you and it's like pulling you down. And this preacher said, I just challenge you, he says, to to turn that stuff off for a while and see if your countenance doesn't change. Well, it reminded me to come back to a basic that, that they taught me at Bible school. Read the Word of God twice as much as you read anything else or watch anything else. And the Word of God himself will speak to you. It'll bring peace into your situation. What I realize is I've got to, I get get the clamor of wrangling over words and all the things that the Bible tells us we shouldn't do. And I realize I've been drawn in it by myself. And I'm no longer seeing how big and great God is. Guess why he has me preaching about the greatness of God? Guess why he has me talking about a global God? Because he's bigger than all this. Guess what? This week it's malaria. We're talking about next Sunday. 
You know, we're getting, we should have them by Monday, by the way, Terry. Next week, I'm going to hand out stuff for the uh, shoe boxes. Sending shoe boxes around the world. So we're trying to protect kids. We're trying to represent the gift of Jesus himself as we pack shoe boxes and send them around to who knows where in the world. We're doing things to present a global God. That's who he is. He's not just about here. We had somebody who didn't want to give an offering to the food, uh, food drive we were doing because they found out that it was going to go for, for world famine relief. I thought, are you serious? They'd give it if it was for the local food pantry, but they won't give it to some other dying child in another country. I eat enough snacks to keep a family to get to, to alive for a week. You know what I'm saying? And yet that's how small-minded people have become because we're so focused right here. And yes, it's noble. Well, God does care about the United States too, you know, and sometimes our kids need presents. Yep, they do. Can you go ahead and put to John three sixteen through through uh, 21 for me? That's kind of difficult because you transition, but... I want us to read this. God is a global God. He says it over and over. When the earth is formless and void, he's over the waters everywhere. He's the one who separated. He's the one who established. He's the one who confused languages and created all their cultural expressions. He's the one who's allowed other little G's, little gods to exist. But there's coming a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess sovereign God. So it's John 3.16... I'm reading out of the New Living, I think it is. But it says, For God so loved the world. I'm sorry. I'm reading by memory now. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right Come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Folks, the mission for the church still exists today. You're supposed to be salt and light. You're supposed to make him visible to a world that is cloaked in darkness. You're supposed to bring it to bring the light. You're supposed to have faith when everybody around you is crumbling. It's him. He's relying on us. He has said, you're it. Let's pray. Wow, God. I know sometimes I may seem like I got an attitude about Israel. And I guess I don't because, God, really, I understand that's what you said. But before you said that, you said, Abraham, here's the first covenant I'm going to make about these people. going to be a whole bunch of them every tribe every tongue every nation yeah yep made one with adam made one with noah 
made one with Abraham, made one with David, made one with Moses, and finally made one with Jesus. That Jesus said, here it is, (laughs) the one final eternal covenant, new covenant in my blood. God, we would ask you to bind up faith in us, keep us, make us impervious. And God, take that which is, which is doubt, which is fear, based on, on what we see with our, our eyes, Des- deceptive things, God, worries and concerns about this life. And be the consuming fire over those things, God. Let us be anchors, God, in the midst of a culture that is, is wavering, that is drifting. Let us be as anchors that we're, we've got a firm foundation, that we will not be moved. God, you're it. We're looking to you to do what only you can do in our heart and in our mind and in our spirit. Give us resolute faith. And God, we want to glorify you. Reason upon reason, morning upon morning, you've proven yourself so faithful. Hallelujah, Jesus. Folks, we'll be here to pray for you. If, you're, if you've been apprehended by fear, you know, there's wisdom and then there's fear. Wisdom is reasonable and fear is just totally unreasonable. We don't want to, we're not condemning you. We're just wanting to stand with you. If that's you and you're fighting that kind of fight, would you come up and get prayer? We're going to sing that song one more time that we learned just today, 10,000 Reasons. No, we're not, Pastor. I'm sorry. Hallelujah. Joseph had to leave. Oh, okay. We'll do You Are the One. Okay, that's fine. We'll do You Are the One. Hallelujah, Jesus. I love it. I saw this voice. I heard this voice. I was like, God is speaking. Let's go ahead and stand up, and we'll, uh, we'll get ready. Because we do have a fellowship meal today. Danny, if you didn't bring food, that's okay. We've got enough for you. You don't even have to worry about it. Our issue would be is that we have... Um